Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Mama's Release Society. Today is episode five and it's Charlotte's story. So this week I want to tell you about my daughter Charlotte and her story. I want to tell you about the heartaches and tell you about the miracles and tell you about her experience. So Charlotte was born on July 17, 2014. The doctors at the hospital, uh, they did notice it was difficult to like hear her lungs with the stethoscope at the hospital. So uh, she recommended that we go see the pediatrician after we got home that weekend. And when we went to go see the pediatrician, she told us that it sounded like fluid in her lungs and that we should probably go get an x-ray. So we went to get an x-ray and they told us that it was fluid and that she would be okay. And understandably, we just trusted the doctors and we just kept watching her breathing and but as we kept watching her breathing, we kept noticing like how shallow her breaths were. And we tried to just wait it out and see how it was going. Um, during this time, I noticed that she never seemed to want me to put her down. So I spent most of my nights, those first two weeks in the Lazy Boy, every night with her on my chest because she didn't ever want me to put her down. If I tried to, she'd kind of freak out and cry really hard and so I just slept with her on me almost all the time um I didn't realize how much pain she was in I just wanted to love on her because it just seemed like she needed it uh, which I'm so glad that I did looking back now you know had things gone a different way how grateful I'd be that I spent those time spent that time with her and that I was close to her um but then on August 1st my world got turned upside down um not like the first Prince of Bel-Air, but in a harder way. Uh, we heard Charlotte crying on the way home from family dinner. And we just figured she was tired and just kind of let it go. And like, oh, sweet girl, you know, we're, we're almost home. And just kind of wrote it off as she was just sleepy. It was kind of late at night. Um, so we get home and she was asleep in the car seat. So we left her in the car seat just for a few minutes to like get settled, you know, put our keys down, go to the bathroom, get settled for a minute. Um... So I was in the bathroom and I got this overwhelming feeling that I need to check on Charlotte. So I yelled out to my husband and said, hey, can you check on her? Can you check on the baby? And he's like, oh, she's fine. She's asleep. Um, and then the feeling came on again, like really strong. And I knew that I had to check on her. So I rushed out to the car seat and I pulled her out of the car seat. And her tiny body was gray and limp and she wasn't really breathing and I was in so much shock. I, I couldn't find the words to describe any of that. I just like screamed like, she's not okay, Charlotte, there's not okay. There's something, her color's not right. She's not okay. And he remained calm. Like, you know, hey, let's just turn on the light. Let's just assess what's happening. Like trying to make sure that I'm not being overly irrational and trying to keep me calm and staying calm to, anyway. So he's like, let's just turn on the light and let's just see what's happening. And so once he turned on the light, he looked at her and all he said was, let's go. Okay, now you got to understand that we had a miracle before this even happened. Because probably a week or so ago before this happened, we were laying in bed and I said, so what would we do if like something bad were to happen? And I didn't specify which kid I was talking about. And I didn't specify like what the emergency would be. I just said like, what would we do if like something bad happened? And he responded like without a beat. He's like, well, we probably would just leave Evan in his crib so that he's safe. And then on the way, we'd call a neighbor to come pick him up and we would just go. 
So when he said, let's go, we already knew what to do. We already had a plan. We had no idea we were planning for real life, but we had a plan. So we didn't waste any time figuring out like what we should do and how we should handle this. We just got in the car and we left because Evan was already in his crib. He was fast asleep in his bed. So um, we just left. So we got in the car and I just held her to my chest and uh, he called our sweet neighbor, Jamie, and she came over and got Evan and took care of him that night. And on the way to the hospital, I just held her close and I talked to her the whole way and I told her how much I loved her and I told her I needed her to breathe. Um, so we get to the hospital and they keep asking like all these questions like, what's your zip code and what's this? And like, what's your insurance? And we we're just so panicked. Like we didn't even know what to do. Like part of us is like, hello, can you see? She's like barely breathing. And then either part of us is like trying not to be rude and like just didn't even know what to think. We were just so scared and so freaked out. And so they sent us to go like sit down and wait. And I'm like in shock. And I'm so scared. And my mom finally pushed them, was like, no, you need to see her right now. Like, she's not breathing. So she kind of pushed us through back there. And then once she was seen by a professional, they, like, rushed her to the table. They ditched this poor little kid with a broken leg. Sorry, kid, the broken leg. Um, they all left the kid with the broken leg, came to her, and just within seconds, she had a whole team of people surrounding her. They cut off her onesie, and they hooked her up to oxygen. And, you know, they just start moving really fast. And my heart felt so frozen in that moment I could not believe that my precious baby wasn't breathing that I was actually watching this happen and I really wanted to give her a blessing since her dad was there and my brother was there um, and understandably they didn't want to get in the way of the doctors and you know interrupt at all and I understood that I just felt like I could not let her go into any medical procedure without a blessing from God so I got brave and I went and asked the team like hey can we have her family put their hands on her head and pray for her and they were so kind. They're like, of course you can. That's fine. Like, we'll just move over a little bit and you can put your hands, you know, put your fingers on her head. Um, so they did. They gave her a blessing. And there was just peace in knowing that heaven was in that room with us. Um, they eventually let us know that she has a condition called congenital diaphragmatic hernia. That's a fancy way of saying that she has a hole in her diaphragm and her intestines had gone through the hole and they collapsed her lung and they like pushed her heart over as well. So they needed to life flight her to Cardin Children's Hospital because they this was down in Santan Valley and they don't have um, a children's unit. So first they wanted me to go in the helicopter with her, but then they got a helicopter with a NICU bed. And then when that became available, they asked us just to go ahead and meet her there. And it really hurt to leave her, but I knew that was better for her to have the NICU bed, so I um, let it go, and it gave us a chance to run home, and grab a couple things really quick, and then rush up to the hospital to meet her. So when we got there, it was also hard to see her hooked up to so many things and have so many machines around her and have her whole body just surrounded by equipment to keep her alive. So the next morning, they take her in for surgery, and we waited anxiously for her to return, and the surgeon came back to the room and he asked us to uh, come join him in a conference room to like discuss how the surgery went and what happened. Um, he said that the first time they went in through her stomach to like, they went through laparoscopically to go in and kind of check and um, explore around to see what kind of hernia it was because oftentimes this type of hernia is in the front so that seemed like it'd be the most likely option. but. 
they didn't see it in the front so that meant it probably was on the back but during surgery she started shunting which means her blood was like going backward and they said that if they didn't pull out right then it would cause her to go into cardiac arrest so they had to hurry and pull out and stop surgery um, he said that they would have to get lots of fluids in her over the weekend and that they would try again on monday for surgery and as he's telling us all of this like he doesn't sound very hopeful and for the first time since this whole tragedy began, I started to lose hope. I hadn't lost hope before then, but in that moment, um, I started to lose hope. And he left the room and I just crumbled. My whole body was shaking from my sobbing. And keep in mind that like I'm still two weeks postpartum and I'm a wreck anyway. And then realizing that losing her was an actual possibility, it just wrecked me. And... Um, her dad was also sobbing but I will never forget how strong he was at that moment I remember he pulled himself up and he was choking down his own sobs and he turned to me and he said Annie if we lose her we have the rest of our lives to grieve for her but right now she's still with us and we have to be strong for her as long as she is still here she needs us and she especially needs her mom she needs her milk she needs your love she needs you and i was so touched by what he said and he was right now is not the time to fall apart so we went back to the room and we held her hands and we talked to her and we sang to her and we just stayed with her and we decided that we could use all the prayers we could get so uh we decided to go ahead and put on social media that our little girl was fighting for her life and that we needed prayers for her. We needed prayers for her to be strong, for us to be strong. We needed prayers for the surgeon's hands to be guided and we needed prayers for angels to surround her. Keep in mind that not any time during this experience did her dad or I ever say like, why me, why us, why her? We didn't ask that. We literally just asked for angels to support all of us. Um, we didn't question God's hand in it. We didn't um, think it was unfair that it was happening to us. And I honestly don't know why I didn't think that. I don't know why he didn't think that. But that just didn't cross our mind. That wasn't our attitude. It was just this, hey, we have this really painful thing. This really hard thing we have to go through. And Heavenly Father, can you please help us? Can you please send us the strength to get through this to be there for her? Um... So the outpouring of love we received was just phenomenal. And I can tell you that I felt heaven in that room. I knew that there were angels that never left her side. And I know that was because of all the prayers that were offered on her behalf and all the love that was sent to her. Um, I also received like so many messages of support and love and so many people offering to bring me food, bring me a drink, bring me a treat, bring me a hug even. So many people offered so many kind things and people even just did lots of kind things. There was people that watched my son, people that did my laundry, people who fed my family. They stepped in for me when I couldn't be at home and when their dad couldn't do everything on his own. So, so many people stepped in and had so many kind acts of service for us and helped us so much. Um, there was also so many people that prayed for us and I am thankful for every single one of those prayers. So many people prayed. There were so many good experiences and I'm grateful. I really am grateful for all of them. There was just a couple different things that, um, that stuck out to me and that I 
want to share. So there was a friend of mine named Kendra who told me that her daughter um, had been asked to pray and she had this just sweet and simple prayer asking for Charlotte to be able to breathe. And she thanked me for the opportunity to be able to pray for my daughter and how it was such a great opportunity for them to just, you know, all join together in mighty prayer for someone that they loved and cared about. And it was a really beautiful experience. And there was people who were putting her name in temples all over the country. And someone said they like lit a candle in their temple. It wasn't our temple, obviously, but um, as our meaning the LDS temple, but it was another temple. And I was just so grateful that people from other faiths were like saying their prayers and doing their rituals and doing their things to like send their pleas up to God to help this sweet girl. Um, and also another sweet story was my former brother-in-law, Jeremy, um, former as in I'm not married to his brother anymore, but we're still family. It's fine. But anyway, he told me about how he was thinking about Charlotte as he was out running and was just thinking about his breath and how grateful he was to be able to breathe and how he wished he could just breathe for her and like give her his breath. And he prayed for her and was thinking of her and it was so touching when he told me that. And I just, we had so many family members that just, they adore her and anyone that knows her adores her, but her family was just praying night and day for her and they were showing up for me and for her dad and just being so kind and loving. And I really don't know like what I would have done without my family during this time. Um, so Monday comes around and they're ready to take her back into surgery. And I prayed with her before she left and I didn't stop until she came back. And the second round was successful. They were able to go back in and like pull the intestine out. And that was another huge miracle because they rushed into surgery because they were worried that part of her intestine might die from being cramped up in there. And if any of it were to like break and leak into her body and she would go septic and like all these concerns they had around the intestine. Um, thankfully that didn't happen. They were able to pull all of it out and it was all intact. And once they pulled it out, then her lung just like popped right back out. And once it had room to do that and they put a little Gore-Tex patch on her diaphragm and they sewed her back up and that's the simplified version, right? But they had this intense surgery and they were able to laparoscopically do all of this. Medical technology blows my mind. I'm so grateful. I am grateful every day because without that medical technology, we for sure would have lost her. So um, they were able to, you know, patch her back up. Uh, but we weren't out of the woods yet. We still had to recover and heal and she still had to be monitored. So our total stay was two weeks, but I really felt like I lived a lifetime in those two weeks. I woke up every few hours to pump and I struggled to sleep anyway on this like hard couch slash bed they have. That's what they offer the family is this weird little bed thing that's hard as a rock and the monitors are beeping the whole time and I'm stressing about her. I'm stressing about if she's okay. And it was, it was very difficult to sleep. And I was, um, it was, it was a long two weeks, but I know now that you can feel stress and sadness and peace. I knew that she was being watched over and I felt peaceful about that, but I was still really struggling. I was hormonal. I was tired. I was irritable. I was worried. I was sad. I was depleted, just all these emotions. And it took everything in me to finally break down and call my friend Emily to come over and watch over Charlotte one night so that my mind could just relax and let me sleep. That I knew that if she had a problem, that someone would be able to like address that and take care of it. And I could just get even some sleep. 
So she came and watched over my baby girl. And that's how I know that angels are real on both sides of the veil. Because there was an angel that night who came and watched over my baby. Um, her recovery was really slow. Um, it felt like it took a long time to take each one of the machines away from her. And they would try to wean her off of like the medication. But then she would make these whimpering sounds. She couldn't really cry because she had a tube down her throat. But she'd make these faces and we knew that she was still in pain. So it took her a little time. We kept joking that she was our little junkie. <laughs> so not a good joke. But that's the joke we made to get through. Of like it took her a while to like come off the medication. And to not feel so much pain. But eventually little by little they took a machine away. They took another IV away. They took another another support away and the walls started closing in during this time like she's getting better I'm getting worse like my walls are closing in I was overwhelmed so I called her dad and he heard the overwhelm in my voice and he's like I need to get bust you out of there like I'm just busting me out of jail so he arranged for my brother and his sister to come and take shifts watching over Charlotte and he asked my friends to give me a massage and to do my nails um, I got to go home for 24 hours, or not quite 24 hours, but I got to go home for like almost a day to, you know, get pampered and to sleep in my own bed and to spend time with my sweet Evan. So that was another um, huge blessing because as she got better, like I said, as she got better, I was having a really hard time getting cooped up in this hospital and just all the stress of everything. Um, so that was great to be able to have that moment to kind of regroup and re-strengthen myself to get back to the hospital. So Eventually, our sweet princess was able to, like, get the tube out that was down her throat, and she was able to eat, like, a little bit on her own, but not a lot, so they still had IVs in her because nursing was hard for her, and she was really weak in her sucking, um, and so they kept the IV in a little bit longer, um, but eventually, I was able to pick her up and hold her, and I got to sing to her, and I just was so grateful to be able to have her in my arms again and to know that we were on, like, an uphill recovery, um, and as she got stronger and stronger through the medical support, I got stronger and stronger through the emotional and spiritual support that I received. Um, there were so many incredible acts of service throughout our ICU stay. Uh, just to name a couple things, my Bunko group, they um, gathered up the money that they would have spent on Bunko that month and they, and they put more in as well. But they just collected all that money and gave it to me and my family instead of using it for Bunko. And it was just so beautiful to have a group of friends, you know, come together and do that for me. Um, another friend of mine, um, Josh and McCall, they brought like food that they knew I liked from Neaters and brought me dinner. Um, my sister, Katie, she arranged a whole, an entire auction, like huge event with a whole bunch of vendors to help raise money. And she did that because while um, we had our medical expenses covered, Charlotte's dad took a few days off of work in order to be with her in the hospital, understandably, but he worked for a small company and didn't have paid time off. So, um, we were kind of worried financially about missing that time from work, especially when, um, we might have quite a long road of recovery with her, but my sister through, uh, my sister, Katie, she was able to, um, put this auction together and she raised exactly the amount of money we lost from him not working. And we just felt so blessed that she was able to do that. We also had some friends of Charlotte's dad. Um, I hadn't met them at the time, but they had lost a baby to CDH earlier in their life. And so they wanted to come to the hospital and offer their support and their love. And at first I was like, no, I'm 
postpartum. I'm gross. I haven't showered. Like I'm in, I'm a wreck. I do not want them to come over, but he insisted and they like wanted to bring my favorite tree and they were really sweet. So they came and they were so beautiful. They like laughed and cried with us and offered their support. And I'm friends with them to this day. In fact, their daughter is great friends with Charlotte. And so it's been a beautiful connection. Um, one of the other really cool things that someone did for me was that my friend Emily, same Emily, she brought me some travel size toiletries so I wouldn't have to like bring things back and forth from the hospital. And she also brought me this like cozy blanket to cuddle up with. And I had a lot of time to sit and think in the hospital. It was a lot of downtime. Um, and I thought about how many people had supported me and how dang lucky I was to have these people to love me and to care about me and to be there for me and serve me. And what about those who didn't have that kind of support? What about the people that don't have the same resources that I have? And I thought about how much harder it would be without my troops rallying around me and my heart ached for those who would curl up and cry on that super hard crappy bed all alone, so scared and worried and overwhelmed and my heart just needed to do something about that. So I came up with an idea and I chatted with one of the child life specialists at the hospital and she gave me some more ideas to help enhance my idea and then I took it to Emily and I said, hey, I have this idea and she loved it and she really wanted to help me make it a reality. So she was touched too because her son and her were also in a car accident and he had to spend some time in an ICU as well. So it touched her heart. She wanted to be on board and help me bring this to life. So, um, and she actually inspired it as well because a friend had brought her a care package when she was in the hospital and that inspired her to bring me a care package which inspired a project that has been running for eight years now. So our friend Nicole, she came up with the perfect name for this project. I see you. So I S E E U, obviously a play on the ICU intensive care unit, but that's the name of the project. And we create care packages for moms who have children in the ICU because they have a lot of things for the kids. They have nothing for the mom. They give you like a crappy comb that you can't actually brush your hair out with and that's it. Um, so in our care packages, there's a change of clothing, some underwear, some toiletries, a brush, like an actual brush. Um, and this year I'm really excited because I have notebooks and pens that were donated to me that I can put in the packages. I've wanted to do that for a while because I want them to have a place to write down how they're feeling and also <clears throat> take notes from the doctor. So I've been wanting to do that. I'm so excited this year. Those are going in. I'm also determined this year to get blankets in the care packages. Um, and I got to tell you, it has been so beautiful over the years to have people come together each year to donate and help create these care packages so that we can help these mamas feel seen, feel seen in their heartache to know that someone cares about them and what they're going through. Um, so I want to close with this scripture, Matthew 25, 40. Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. When we serve those who are suffering, we are serving God. We become his hands. And there's a quote from Elaine Jack that I love, and I quote it often. I'll probably quote it again. But she says, we cannot always lift the burden of one who is troubled, but we can lift her. Sorry, but we can lift her so she can bear it well. This is an opportunity for us to lift her so she can lift her burden a little bit better. 
these moms, I, I can relate to how they're feeling because I was in that position. And I'm so honored and blessed to be able to pay it forward and to help these moms. So if you would like to donate to the project, we are putting together another 50 packages this year in the upcoming weeks. So if you would like to donate, my Venmo is um, Hey Annie Joy, H-E-Y-A-N-N-I-E-J-O-Y, just like my Instagram account. So thank you for listening to my story. I want you to know that I have felt God's presence too many times to, de- to deny that he is there, that he is watching over me and my family. I have felt angels lift me up and I have felt angels protecting my daughter. I have interacted with earthly angels. I am a witness to Christ's power and his healing. And I know that he is there and he is willing to help us through anything that we are going through. And as always, if you want more, go to AnnieJoy.com or follow me on Instagram at HeyAnnieJoy. Be kind, be gentle, and have a good week.